The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is no substitute for professional care by your doctor or your qualified healthcare professional. Never disregard or delay professional medical advice because of something you've heard on this podcast or in any linked material. Guests who speak on this podcast express their own opinions, experience, and conclusions. Dr. Shirley neither endorses nor opposes any particular opinion discussed on this podcast. The views expressed on this podcast have no relation to those of any academic, hospital, practice, institution, or other entity with which Dr. Shirley may be affiliated. Welcome to Forever Fab, the podcast on fashion, the art of living, and all things beauty. This podcast is curated by Dr. Shirley Madea, MD, as the definitive source of holistic wellness through beauty. The Forever Fab podcast values truth and authenticity. We encourage our guests to show up exactly as they are, as the best version of themselves. Please note, this podcast episode contains adult language. Thank you and enjoy. Now, Dr. Hans, you and I, we are surgeons, right? We like to operate do you feel that uh, promoting a holistic approach, whether it's to spinal health um, or, or just health and wellness in general, do you think there's a risk to that? Because some patients tend to get confused. They say, well, you're a surgeon, but you're telling me, you know, that you're not going to operate. So is, is that confusing to patients? I never tell people I'm not going to operate. Mm -hmm. That's always on the table. And it's part of the algorithm. It's part of the stepwise approach to getting better it's a common phrase that says we want surgery as the last resort. Yeah. And a lot of times they're sitting there and they're at the last resort. They just are now grasping at straws. They just have to come to come to realize that in no way or shape or form. Am I saying, am I throwing that off the table initially? That's just part of the normal step. It's normal optimization. It's like probably, probably like one out of 15 patients that I have seen over the years ends up getting to surgery. Most people don't need it when they need it. They need it. And right. I'm not going to run away from it. Right. Surgery helps people. It dramatically right. changes their lives. In yes. fact, I just, I actually did surgery in the last couple of months of my niece's fiance, who had something as simple as a nerve compression with a disc herniation for the last two or three years. Wow. After surgery, he said, this is the first time in four years that I haven't had any leg pain. So it should have been done earlier. We didn't know him, you know, but but they, that was crazy. They, you don't yeah. take surgery off the table. There's nothing That's wrong right. with surgery. Of course not. Yeah. It's a good thing. Surgery is it's, a good thing. It's when a you, very good thing. <laughs> when you need it, it's a great thing. If you don't yeah. need it, don't get it. Understood. 100% agreed. Now, what are the effects of a lack of exercise on spinal health in particular? We know that lack of exercise has effects on, on weight, has effects on you know mood. But what about on spinal health in particular? Well, part of spinal health is the strength of the bones. And we know that when we stress our bones, something called Wolf's Law, basically, if we put stress on the bone, it gets stronger. Mm -hmm. We know that people that are out in outer space and are in a zero gravity or low gravity situation, that they lose muscle, bone mass as well as muscle mass. And if you take a college student and you put them in bed, don't let them move for six months. With, you know, for some period of time, they did that for some of the studies for the astronaut program. They lose muscle mass. They lose bone density. 
That's why when someone has back pain, we don't put them in bed rest for three months or six weeks anymore with traction. It it may feel may, may make feel better for the short term, but they lose yeah. so much bone, they lose so much muscle that it's going to take them three months or more to get their muscle mass back. So you need to maintain your muscle strength, learn how to move, and learn the proprioception of how you should move so you don't trip and fall, and and you need to maintain your bone density as well. Excellent. And I'm going to ask you a potentially controversial question. What do you think is the role of chiropractors in managing back pain? <laughs> well, well, chiropractors, I have a bunch of colleagues that have chiropractors. And I also, just like you and I both know a bunch of MDs and DOs that seem to be a little quacky. But we also know that the same thing occurs everywhere. But there have been studies that have shown, particularly in the first six or eight weeks of an acute onset of back pain, that hands on manipulation, including that with chiropractors, can do wonders. Could actually change the course of treatment. And yeah. some chiropractors are very well trained in manipulating and, and getting uh, SI joints moving back again. So some, it, it all depends on how you're trained and mm -hmm. how you can diagnose what you're doing. So chiropractic care is great. Now, and in, in the right hands. Just like anybody else, sometimes they try to hold on too long to what they need to get done. So at some yeah. point, if it's not working, they need to move on and, and, and say, hey, let's ask one of our colleagues for input. But we yeah. see that in every field. So I don't yeah, consider it controversial. True. Okay, good. <laughs> and pretty much kind of along the same lines, what are your thoughts on acupuncture and dry needling for back pain? I have no idea how it works, but I know it works. <laughs> yep. Um. The dry needling, as you know, is the same type of acupuncture needles, but they put them in areas that are trigger points. They don't put oh, them yeah. along the meridians. No. And they know, and we know that sometimes if someone has a trigger point, like if you push on your back or your trapezius and something's really sharp, we can do a little injection there. And sometimes you don't even have to put anything in there. You can put some saline, you can put some lidocaine, a little bit of steroid, or sometimes just a needle helps break a cycle of, inf of whatever's going on in there. And by breaking yeah. that cycle, it helps. So yeah. there's definitely a role for both of those. Very interesting. And what about the uh, importance of weight management on spinal health? Ooh, I don't like the word of management. I just <laughs> thought of that right now. I don't know if I like the word management. I okay. Think what what would you replace it with? I don't want to manage my health. I want to have optimal health. I don't want to then, manage okay. my weight. I want to have optimal okay. weight. There you so go. Nobody knows yet how to manage how much muscle we should be carrying on our frame. That's true. What we do know is that if you have a higher percent body fat, that you're at higher risk of, of, of metabolic syndromes, but more importantly is the visceral fat. So it might, if, if, so if you have a little bit of a beer belly, that could be a sign of excess inflammatory visceral fat that we have in our abdomen that can go along with the inflammation. So, if we're going to manage anything, let's try to manage our visceral fat and get rid of that. Yeah. And and because there's a lot of people that then genetically, we know that some races, some groups tend to deposit fat peripherally while they're still healthy and have less visceral fat, where other groups don't do that peripherally and they end up getting visceral fat real fast. For example, um, it, typical Mexican, Indian, or Southeast Asian tend to be more skinny fat. They tend to have their livers and their, and their bellies fill up with the fat sooner, where many black tend to protect 
their livers and actually have less inflammation and they have a little bit more of a booty or something just because that's just how they're built and the genetics protects them from the from that for a quite a bit of time so yeah you, you have to understand the differences but it's you were talking about the visceral like the inflammation and i think that's that's one of the key things so that's why i don't want to manage it yeah and now a little bit more about inflammation what to, what to your mind is the um carbohydrate inflammation connection and why do you recommend counting carbs as an effective way to lose weight i found that very interesting when you mentioned it in your book I think carbs are a proxy for helping, uh, I'm almost going to use the word manage. Um, <laughs> I, I can, it's contagious. <laughs> if we have a constant amount of carbs in our body, that means we have carbohydrates tend, basically all carbohydrates are chains of glucose, glucose yes. or fructose. And as soon as they're, they're, you're eating, like if you eat some bread, it's starting to break down into glucose right away just with the amylase from your saliva. Yep. And it gets absorbed as either fructose or glucose, and it goes right into our system. And As sugar. It's a very toxic compound. Our, our blood supply has about a teaspoon throughout. If we have more than a teaspoon in our, in our blood supply, we try to get rid of it because we don't want that to be around adhering to our cells and like cosylating them. We don't want our hemoglobin to have an increased binding, which is measured as the hemoglobin A1C, for example. We yeah. don't want to have that extra glucose going around, floating around and getting to our collagen and breaking our collagen down, getting us wrinkles. You know, we don't want to have all about that. We got that, right? So um, by keeping our carbohydrates low or else pulsing our diet. So if we have one or two meals, maybe three meals a day with breaks a meal and don't snack, then if we have that, then we can keep our overall carb level low and we don't have insulin around all the time stimulating the anabolic response of growth, but then, but then also senses the abundance that we have of energy. So our body says, any, energy, any extra energy, any extra carbs we have, any extra fat we goes, that goes into storage. So we get fat. And when we try to exercise and work, when we have the excess carbs as long and our insulin levels are relatively higher, the insulin is still talking to our fat saying, yeah, you, you stay away. We, we don't need you yet because we think we've got excess. Wow. So by managing carbs and actually keeping our carbs low enough, and in, in some extremes, some people even advocate going on short-term fasts as well to help reboot this, which then brings our insulin levels down to a more manageable level. And then we start getting a good ratio of insulin and glucagon, and we can actually start using what our fat stores are meant to be. They're meant to be available for us to cycle energy through. So we've got the short-term cycling of energy with the carbohydrates, which we have about 600 milligrams or so in our muscle, I believe, about 400 in our liver. Anything beyond that, we start getting hungry. So if you're living on coffee and a, 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 and a donut and sugar, you're going to get a good high for a little while, but then, then you're going to get this crash in about an hour and a half. Then you're going to eat again, crash up, down, crap, down, up, down. That's not good for you. Right. But if you get more metabolically flexible and we can start using the fats that we have in storage, then we can get this comfort level, almost like a Zen level of comfort. So that we're no longer requiring that dopamine hit and then the crashing of energy. What we're actually getting is more of a steady, calm, slow burn of contentment for not only our health, but also just our energy throughout the day if we are able to access our fast stores. So one of the that. early keys is, is, to, is to keep our carbohydrates level uh, 
at a real number, not a percentage, a real number, and keep it managed and low. A Zen level of metabolic fitness. I love it. Um, that leads me to my next question. Are you an advocate of intermittent fasting? Intermittent fasting or intermittent eating? I am a, it makes sense to pulse mm -hmm. your energy. Mm -hmm. And by pulsing it, then we don't have a constant level of, again, stimulation, particularly of the, of the carbohydrates and of the insulin. So intermittently having meals or having the breaks gives us a chance to let that insulin level go down. We know that it takes for most people about 16 or 18 hours before a high level of insulin actually gets down to a baseline level. That can be managed a little bit if you go on an exercise. Like if you get up in the morning, the first thing you do is go for a walk or exercise. You can burn that last little bit of carbohydrate out of your liver initially, which will then maybe give you a little bigger window where you have low insulin. You can start burning your own fat. Mm -hmm. But um, that's just another way of of managing and and making sure you don't have the insulin level high all the time. So intermittent right. fasting is a great thing. Got it. And you spoke earlier about the RDA and, and how that's really just suboptimal. Do you believe in supplements? What are your thoughts on oral supplements? Um, I think we do need to supplement quite a few things. The, the, the challenge on that is even when we eat whole foods today, our soils are so depleted that many of our vegetables and other food sources don't have the type of nutrients we need. So I do do some supplementing and, and, um, and it depends on what, what, what type of eating I'm doing and what type of exercise I'm doing. But I will definitely recommend for most people in America to take extra vitamin D because we're, we're low. Yeah. Um, I don't go down the deep end of doing supplements of uh, coconut oil and MCT oils and all of those things because I think that's counterproductive for the vast majority of people. Got it. I love that. Going on the deep end for supplements. I, that's it's very feasible. It happens a lot. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. People want to take people think that, that it's very appealing to just take a pill and try to get better. Yeah. As opposed to take some responsibility on the other end. Um, but using it as a tool to optimize, I think is awesome. Yeah. Got using it. It as a crutch for, for overall a poor lifestyle choice. That's I think sad. Gotcha. Now as a yoga instructor, did you know I was a yoga instructor? <laughs> Are you a yoga instructor? <laughs> a yoga instructor. <laughs> That's one of the things that I did during my downtime during the downtime. Great, during the great pause of the pandemic. Yes. I, I became a, Certified yoga instructor. Ah. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. We'll have, to, we'll have to down dog or something sometime. No doubt. No doubt. <laughs> so as a yoga instructor, I have come to believe, as I do, um, as I think many uh, people in the body work and, and wellness communities uh, believe that pain at various parts of the body correspond to emotional pain or um, that each condition carries some kind of, of message on a spiritual level uh, that the person is, you know, afraid to lose freedom of movement, for example. Um, as another example, like uh, pain in the mid back may signal that the person may not feel sufficiently supported um, and is always worried about money or material goods and stability. And upper back pain, for example, can help indicate 
emotional insecurity. Now, does any of this resonate with you? And if so, how do you help to address your patient's sort of spiritual or emotional or psychological needs in your practice? Knowing that as surgeons, we are obviously not trained psychologists or psychiatrists. Well, um, I don't really understand all that part, so I don't really give it that much. <laughs> it is another level, Dr. Haas. It really is. <laughs> like, when, when, now, maybe you don't know this, but back in the day when I got my t yoga teaching certification, yes, there's some things that didn't resonate, like the whole idea that everything in the world you can bring to an address on the mat. You just do it on the mat. If you mm -hmm. want to get stronger, you get on the mat. Gotcha. Some things didn't make a lot of sense to me. Like something as simple as a physical idea mm -hmm. is that if you want to get better at doing push-ups, you do more push-ups. I said, I think if you want to get better doing push-ups, you go lift some weights and do inter a progressive weightlifting and then get back yes. to that and you do it better faster. <laughs> yes. So, so um, that being said, my shoulders and arms became one of the strongest ever just doing a lot of those that work. Yes. And when I when I took that class, it was just amazing how it just sort of snuck up on me how stable it all was. So it's oh, yeah. great. Yeah, but good but for the, you. But the attribution of the low back pain and the upper back pain, other than just the stress, I don't understand. Mm -hmm. Just like I don't understand someone doing some reflexology on my foot, saying they're now massaging my gallbladder when they're. <laughs> When they're don't pressing my big toe, you know? So I don't get it. It's been around for 2,000 years. Yeah. And I'm going, there's, there must be something to it. Yeah. But I haven't made that plain yet. I don't I don't yeah. get that part. And I'm okay I with know. it. But doesn't I mean I'm not going to go there. Yet. I'll trust them. I'll say, if you want to work on my feet and say, you got yeah. my gallbladder, I'm okay with that. <laughs> but so I, funny I that I, you mentioned that. I went to China um, many years ago and I, I thought, oh, hey, reflexology, let me try it. Oh my gosh, it was so bloody painful. And I'm, you know, I was sitting there like, ouch, ouch, ouch. And the, the, the practitioner was telling me, ah, you know, yes, you know, um, adrenals, stressed adrenals. I was like, all the way in my ankle? But I didn't realize my adrenals were down there. <laughs> Fascinating. Oh my yes, gosh. I'm you open to it, but there are many things that I still do not understand, Dr. Haas. I'm, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm with you on that. Thank you for tuning in to part one of the Forever Fab podcast. Stay tuned next week and tune in for part two. I just wanted to give you a break to grab a, a wow. sip of water or something. We're actually a two-parter. I'm not sure. I don't know how long we've been going. I, I see that the clock says 50, and I know I wanted to keep it to an hour out of respect for your time. So we only have about five questions left. I figured I'd just let you know. Yeah, I just wanted I was just looking back here thinking, what are my five things from a beautiful life? Wow. And you know, it's very interesting because some people want that question in advance and I give it to them and they come super prepared with like a paragraph for each of the five things. And other people just kind of wing it and they're just like, you know I'm, what, let me think I'm, about what, what makes me happy and what helps me to live a healthy, fabulous, beautiful life. And then they just go off the cuff. So, I'm, I'm okay with that. I yeah, think, just go I off think, the cuff. I think, it'll be, I think that's what we'll do. We'll go off the cuff. I like that. You have such a big brain. I, I don't doubt that you can probably probably come up with 50 things. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if they're all useful to everybody. It doesn't matter. It's just useful, period. Mm -hmm. All right. We'll go back in. Phelan, Dennis, we're still on. We're still good sound-wise and everything. 
I guess that's a go. All right. Welcome back to part two of the Forever Fab podcast. This is my interview with Dr. Michael Haas. Dr. Haas, let's pivot a little bit. Let's get a bit metaphorical or allegorical, if you wish. What does it mean to you to stand tall in life? (laughs) I love this question. Mm, Standing tall. Mm, Yeah. I think standing tall is taking the time to go deep so that you understand your core. And if you understand being deep down in, then you have a foundation from which to grow and to walk into a room and just be and present and be open to things. So by being open due to the confidence and and the work that you've done on yourself, that you're not trying to prove anything to anybody else. So you're standing tall in your own space. Love it. I wrote it down. I'm going to quote you on that. It's going to go all over social media. Wow. I've never been on social media. Understand your core. (laughs) You've never (laughs) been on social media. I'm just getting the hang of it. Trust me. (laughs) Next question. What do you do in your downtime, if you have any? um, And specifically, do you have a self-care routine and what is it? Ooh, that can go many different ways. Um, Bring us there. Let's see. I'm finding time with the challenge that a group of my friends and I started about a year ago to get up early and just wake up and have that extra hour to to do the things I need to do and want to do. Um, I almost routinely wake up about 4.30 or 5 o'clock in the morning. I just wake up without a alarm clock. It's sort of crazy, but it is. Ouch. (laughs) So um, um, what I do in my downtime, believe it or not, I am a major procrastinator, and I sometimes am so lazy I don't get anything done. No, not Um, true. Unbelievable. Incredulous. Really? I think that we're all our own worst critic. You know, we are we are the the imposter's dilemma. You know, we we think that someone else has something over on us, and we just don't do quite enough. But the downtime, <laughs> like like, I look forward to the day when my my friend who is a helicopter instructor, we decide to go flying. He said, "Give me a give me a call. We're gonna go flying." So a few years ago, I got my helicopter license, and I and also <laughs> a, I also have a you know fly my own plane as well. But, the list grows, Doctor Haas. <laughs> I'm serious. It, you're you're incredible. We 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 took we took one flight. I like like getting up for the afternoon and then flying over the Shenandoah, you know, go and follow like the rivers and the railroad tracks. It's really really cool to watch the, watch the <laughs> the colors in the fall and the spring colors come up. We wow. once flew up to um, New York and flew over Central Park and around the Statue of Liberty. Can, can you imagine flying around the Statue of Liberty? I I've never. Um, I mean, wow, it, wow, it, like just in a little circle around and just looking at it, and you're literally, you know. You know, you could throw a softball and hit the softball. It's really cool. What a great view. So um, my adventures for downtime are to go back and look at the list of things I came up with either in junior high or somewhat after college. Like in junior high, there was this corner of the library that all these great books. And I just read books. I read books, reading from novels to how to like? I would go in the books in in this small town. Remember where I grew up? A small town of a thousand people, yeah. and I'd read a book about scuba diving, and I'd say, "One day I'm going to do that." I'd read a book. I learned about yoga. One day I'm going to do that. Oh, yeah. flying an airplane. Oh, that's just sixth grade physics. 
we could, Bernoulli's principle, let's just go fly. I think everybody should learn how to fly. I think everybody should learn how to scuba dive. Now, if you want to keep flying and scuba diving, that's up to you, but you should learn how to take away the magic. The goal is to take away the magic so you're not intimidated, to look outside that box you have. Wow, and that's like, cool. Like, we always have this box, and I don't know where my boundaries are. I know they're there because as soon as I see outside it, it's scary, but yes. also awesome. So wow. my downtime is is exploring and seeing how I can get that next level. And yeah. then my uptime is doing the work to learn what I need to do to get to that boundary and to get there as fast as possible. So I've spent a lot of time learning how to learn. I'm, I'm learning processes. I'm learning yeah. and um, learning like for language learning. I, I've run across this, this guy named Steve Kaufman who talks about um, comprehensible input and how you acquire a language as opposed to learning a language. So ah. I'm learning all this through the idea of, of listening to lectures on what I first heard said at a concert in Vegas but in this small little bar where this Canadian um, a musician by the name of Lights, who I'd never heard of before, but she was amazing. You need to listen to her. Lights, L-I-G-H-T-S. She's incredible. But during her time, she talked about the things she was doing. She learned how to do manga drawing by, by YouTube. She started calling it YouTube University. And wow. I, I, I grabbed that moniker right then, and I hear it all the time now. There's a guy by the name of uh, Michael Saylor, who is the head of MicroStrategy, who set up a foundation to help people learn. He thinks the cost of education should go to, to, to zero. He's He, through his his website and the free education that he has on there has apparently given thousands of people college degrees for next to nothing because wow. of all the education. So education is key. Getting yeah. people to learn how to read, to read what they want, will teach them the language, will teach them ideas and give them, and like it gave me, ideas outside my community of what I can do. So it gives me the opportunity and that's how we equalize things. That's how we don't equalize the opportunity. And you can grab that by getting people just like, I like to give kids just books. They said, you want a book? What one do you want? Here's your book. Take it home. It's yours. Yeah. If, they can, if they can read that book and that's theirs, then they'll want another book. And then they're not going to be influenced by the bully down the street or someone else trying to get them to wear certain clothes or, or to pick on some other person. They become themselves and they actually know other people through the literature, through the stories of what is possible. And that can help, you know, that, that will, that will make the world better. That's How definitely get what, off on that. I, that was, incredible. I know, right? No, <laughs> I mean, I, I love the way that it was going. I love the flow. I love where it was going. And I was just going to vibe with you on that and say, I mean, obviously I'm, you know, I must say you and I are, are, are pretty good nerds. <laughs> we love to learn, but education has, has granted me so much, not only perspective, but, but access, right? Um, mm -hmm. Meaning opening up my eyes and my world to be able to question and, um, and spur me to discover other countries, other cities, other languages. So I, I'm totally with you on, on that and, and education. And hopefully you and I and, and all of us can work towards getting that access to everybody because yes, we, we all know how expensive education can be. And, and I don't think it needs to be so, mm -hmm. but yeah. Now I'm going to ask you a fashion question, Dr. Haas, mm. because you are, you are a pretty stylish orthopedic surgeon, spinal surgeon. Okay. So if I were to look into your clothing closet, 
What do you think you have too much of or too many of? Or what's your favorite article of clothing? I think I have too many polo shirts. <laughs> not surprising. It's not a bad thing. Not a bad thing. Um, I probably have too many suits as well. But surprisingly, oh, wow. the material of these suits, when I put them on, just makes me feel good. There you go. Isn't that what fashion's all about? When you I put like it on, it. it makes you feel good. That's it. It's actually secondary to looking good. Don't you think? Oh, I like to look good. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. You do. You got it. You okay, got, you okay, got it on both levels. You got it. You got it. <laughs> now, if um, another sort of fashion-ish related question. If you were to start a surgical scrubs fashion line, how would you make scrubs different? If you would. Um, I would make them less boxy. Yes. Amen. <laughs> I would let the have them designed so the 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 shirts are tucked in a little bit so I'm not wearing like the the square type of shirts but yeah. it's a, you have it a little bit tapered. Right. It doesn't it's not going to make it constricted, but you just have right. that. I right. I I'd of course have the appropriate pockets because this is a work uniform type of thing. I'd have yes. pockets where I could put things places. Yes. I'd, I'd might, might even want to have, you know, um, like almost like the carpenter jeans where you have a couple extra pockets yes. along the side of the leg, you know, have, yes. I'd have, have a few of those things going on. Yeah. But, but there's nothing wrong with having a good color and having, having it in just, I don't know how you could do this on a mass scale, but it's something as simple as having someone just taper the waist just a little bit. Thank if indeed, you. If indeed your body has a taper, right? Yeah. You should think it makes sense. I do it's, too. I would definitely design that with you. I, I'm with you. Little taper, little tailoring, little nip, little tuck, colors, like more pockets, cargo pants. Hello. Yeah. Cargo <laughs> pants are awesome. They're awesome. functional. And they're awesome. <laughs> okay. Now this is sort of like a beauty. We're going to pivot to beauty. This is a beauty question. Um, what is your grooming routine? Because your skin looks pretty good. And how do you keep your refreshed appearance? Mm, grooming mm. routine. Grooming mm -hmm. is the, uh, I probably on the weekends, I don't shave. So that gives my skin a little bit of a break. Yes. And, I, and, I, and I do keep it clean. I do use a, uh, like a skin moisturizer in the morning. Ooh. Which, wow. which like a few years ago, I thought. Oh my God, what's, what's this for? But I just, why not? That's someone to describe that. I said, okay, something simple. It took me a long time to have something not feel like I had something on my face. I don't like that feeling, but I found something that, that, that just that fits nicely and it, and it works. Um, the, uh, the other grooming is just to keep, I think trimmed, I think is good. I don't like being all Flizzy all over the place. It doesn't make a lot of sense. But that, that's sort of the simple things. I do do a sauna every so often. So I have yes. a sauna built in my house, and that allows me to nice. groom from the inside out, if you want to call that's that. Right. There, it helps yes. the blood flow. It helps the sweat and go. And I think that's that's very cool. Yes, and, that's very helpful. And then also, I think the whole idea of getting some sun. I get up in the morning bright and early and often greet the sun as it comes up. And getting some sunlight, I think, will help as well. It helps the energy and the vibe as well. 
Yeah, it helps with energy, vitamin D, and then you're getting out in nature, which we all know is very healthy mm-hmm. and healing. And walking on the grass to help ground you. Yeah. I don't know if that really I don't know if that really works, but it feels good. It really does feel good. I love walking barefoot. I mean, in some places you can't do it. I can't do it so much in New York City, but I do love to walk mm-hmm. barefoot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Now, you mentioned sauna. Um, is that one of your favorite wellness um, activities? And what um, what would, would you say is the one wellness product or service that you cannot be without? Um, the sauna it, it started out as a great reward after exercise. But I have done research and have discovered that the sauna does many, many more things than oh. just health. Indeed, um, it's been shown that if you do sauna more than I think five times a day, at least in the Scandinavian world, that mm-hmm. um, the risk, the, the all-cause mortality drops by 20% over a certain period of time. I mean, people really? live longer with doing this real sauna. Huh. So it's 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 amazing. Apparently the mechanism is through something called heat shock proteins and like the external wow. hormesis theories. Yep. So, and then um, occasionally I've actually done the jump into the whole cut in the ice and pull yeah, I was going cold. to ask you about that. <laughs> <laughs> that sort of shocking cold, Arctic yeah. cold and, you know, mm-hmm. and the super heat. Like, I mean, just, yeah. Wow. Yeah. How, what was that like? Shocking? <laughs> I, I think I was in and out of it so fast. I didn't have a chance to get a water molecule on me. I, it was like, it was, <laughs> it, it was amazing. It was just, I, I just, it was amazing. I, I don't even know what to say. After yeah. sauna rolling around in fluffy snow, that really feels cool. But really? water, oh, it's it's just sort of tingly sensation, and and it's oh, just it, it, it's really really sort of fun. But oh water gosh. and the density and the surface area, oh, that just oh, I don't know how folks do this. I mean, I've I've gone in and I've sat in a in, in a tub with ice in it for a while, but I'm no Wim Hof and I can't do this forever. Yeah, I was going to say no, that no. Wim Hof technique. I haven't signed up for that yet. Yeah, not not yet. Yeah. No. Yeah, I'm not sure I'm ready. I'm not sure I'm ready. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. A polar bear is not my spirit animal. <laughs> yes. Dr. Haas, I, I, I've had so much fun that I, I can't believe that it, it's almost time. But in the interest of honoring your time, we here's I, I'm going to ask you the last question. What okay. are your top five recommendations for the Fab Five? which are your recommendations for living a beautiful and fabulous life. And I will write these down. Um, we're going to wing it a little bit here. Let's uh, wing it. What I'd say, first of all, you need to take responsibility. Mm. Um, by taking responsibility for what you do and what happens to you, even if you didn't do it, yeah. it, it gives a sense of control. It gives a sense of, of what can you do about this as opposed to being a victim. So you are the doer and the maker of your life. You are the one that instigates things. You are the action. You are the cause, if you want to call it that. That, I think, is essential. Now, that does bring some credence to what some people believe, that whether you actively do something or not, there was something about your essence, your being, your spirit, your whatever, um, your your intentional lessons or the things that were meant for you that actually attract certain things, and therefore you co-create those things. So it's very interesting that you say that. Take responsibility for what happens to you. Okay, mm-hmm. number two. Mm. To be... What's the question again? <laughs> <laughs> what are your top fab five recommendations for living a beautiful and fabulous life? 
to live well, essentially. How, how would you live well? Take care of yourself and be healthy. Yep. Eat well. Without, yep. our, without your individual health, without being healthy, without being strong, you don't have this vehicle that we've been blessed with to experience life. So if I, if I, if, if I'm just too tired to go do something, or mm -hmm. if I'm not strong enough to go do something, I can't go and see the sunset. I can't go and run or paddle in a canoe. So you have to, I, I, you need to take care of yourself yes. and take care, you need to take care of yourself first. I mean, if I'm, if I'm in an airplane and, and the window blows out, you put the oxygen on yourself first and then you take care of other folks. Yes. That's, that's how you're responsible. And you can be responsible because if, if you give it to someone, you might not even take care of somebody else if you're not around. True. So take care of yourself and lead by example. Love it. Number three. So, um, read. Ha. Just Reading. anything. Just read. Just read. Just read. Yeah, you read your Twitter, read a novel, read the magazine, read something. Um, I'm a fan of reading books because uh, the, the the small format of a little Twitter feed or a Facebook thing just hints at an idea. But imagine someone who spent months, if not years of their life, yeah. putting everything they can into some book or some Kindle or whatever you have, that in two or three hours you can distill their, much of their life's work, and you can experience what's happening. So reading can is, is amazing, and, me, and reading can help you with your grammar. It can help with a way of, of conversation because reading language as opposed to spoken language is so much different. It's a different it really element. Is. It yeah. really is. Imagine reading aloud. You go, wow, that was a long sentence. and had a comma in it. Wow. Most people don't even talk like that, and they don't. But reading, I think, is key. So reading yeah. is a fundamental. I think that makes sense. <laughs> reading is fundamental. Number four. Um, pay attention to your community and give back. Oh, that's great. The uh, You've already taken care of yourself. So yeah. now it's time to share and expand. And your family, your community doesn't have to be big. And it... But imagine it's sort of like a, a trickle down. It could be like the, um, you know, the, the what is that? Like the Fibonacci or the or the uh, the butterfly that you never know yes. where it's going to end up, right? Yeah. So, yes. so that that little bit of wind pattern, next thing you know, is causing a hurricane somewhere else. Yeah, the reverberations. So, yeah, for sure. So that that yeah. frequency, that vibration that you add to the world, That's may right. make a huge difference, and you never even notice. So That's right. it's like passing things forward. So yeah. You've been given to, you can't do things alone. And probably the fifth thing is, and with your community, be, give back and also be part of your team. That might be the fifth thing. To develop okay. and have a cadre of a team members. And, and it is expansive. It, it, it is one or two people can do five or six things or, or it, 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 it's, it can just blossom. Yeah. That network effect of even a few people can get great ideas and complement each other and can really do good yes. for not only you, but for the world. Yes. Awesome. I wrote them all down. Well, Incredible.
incredible. That was so much fun. I learned so much about you, um, about spinal health. You're amazing. Thank you so much for your time, Dr. Haas. It's been incredible. Thanks for inviting me. It's been a long time since I've spoken with you. I know. Too long. It won't be this long. long again. It won't be this long. Okay. Promise. Good. Promise. This brings us to the close of this week's episode of the Forever Fab podcast with my illustrious guest, Dr. Michael Haas. For more information on back pain or to book your consultation for a solution to your back pain, visit HaasMD.com. And please order Dr. Haas's book, The Back Pain Solution, A Patient's Guide to Laser Spine Surgery, Minimally Invasive Procedures, and Avoiding Surgery Altogether. And you can order that on Amazon.com. As always, if you liked this episode of the Forever Fab podcast, please share it and subscribe to the feed. Listen to past episodes or check out who's coming up next on ForeverFabPodcast.com. For holistic beauty tips or to set up an appointment with me to discuss your personalized options for leveling up your beauty, go to ElementsAndGraces.com and sign up for my newsletter or book a consultation, either in office or virtually. For an online e-consultation, on time, anytime, and on your time, visit clicklift.com for your wellness, plastic surgery, and beauty questions on the go. That's click, C-L-I-C-K, dash lift.com. And if you just don't want to go anywhere or leave your home for your next Botox or filler injection, Look out for Jet Set Beauty RX, offering aesthetic medical services such as injectable fillers and multivitamin facial treatments in a mobile medical unit. Jet Set Beauty RX is coming to your neighborhood soon. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Forever Fab, the podcast on fashion, the art of living, and all things beauty, curated by Dr. Shirley Madeer, MD. Live beautifully and help make the world a more beautiful place.